What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Coworking Weekly Show. As always, I'm your host, Alex Hillman, and holy crap, I missed you guys so much. I've been working really hard on a couple of things that have taken me away from the show for the last uh, couple of months or so, but it was so nice to hear from a number of you who wanted to check in, make sure everything was okay, wanted to know if the show was coming back, and of course the good news is the show never went away. I was just working on something else for a little bit. Here we are. We've got an awesome episode for you today because I brought back our good buddy, Adam Tetteris. He's been with us on the show more than enough times to have elevated him from guest to, we'll call him a co-host moving forward. I always love bringing Adam on the show. If you've listened before, you already know, but if you haven't heard an episode with Adam before, you know that it's always great to have Adam join us because he brings the perspective of someone who, unlike myself, is not the founder of a co-working space, but works every single day with members, with community members, with other community leaders, and knows so much about what it takes to make community is awesome. Today's episode's really pretty special because Adam and I got together to talk about what he's been working on for the last six months and also some of the tougher stuff that maybe we don't get a chance to talk about as often. So I think you've got a really, really amazing episode in store for you and I hope you enjoy it. But before we get into that, a couple of brief announcements for you. The first of which, one of the things that I've been working on while I was away from the show is that, well, Adam and I are going on tour. Uh, no, we haven't started a band. We're taking our workshops on tour. I know I've gotten a chance to meet many of you at our workshops, some here in the United States, some in Europe, some in Asia. I can't believe we've gotten to go to some of these places, but I've got a bunch of amazing things coming up. One is a six-city tour here in the U.S., which means there's a, well, six in 50 chance, I suppose, that we're coming to a state near you. And there's going to be a whole lot more information about that real soon. So keep a lookout on the CoworkingWeekly.com mailing list for more details, dates, and specific cities of where we may get a chance to meet and you get a chance to work with Adam and I on stuff related to your coworking community, your shared workspace, your collaborative environment, whatever it is that you work on, we want to get a chance to meet you. And even more exciting than that, if that was somehow possible, is that, well, I can tell you the location of this one. We're going to Africa. We are going to the Coworking Africa Conference because it's the first Coworking Africa Conference. What a cool first is that. We're going to be in Cape Town in July. You can go to coworkingafrica.com for all of the details, but Adam and I are going to be there. I'm so excited to see what coworking in the continent of Africa looks like. We're actually going to get a chance to stop in Nairobi, and then we're going to head on down to Cape Town. So lots of travel on the horizon, which is super exciting because it means I get a chance to meet, hopefully, a bunch of you. But that's enough of the announcements for today. I want to get into the episode. Actually, before we do that, one more thing. At the end of this episode, we've got a little something special for you. So make sure you listen all the way to the end and see if the thing that we're talking about is something that maybe you want to get involved in. I promise it'll be easy. I promise it'll be totally worth your time. Enjoy the episode and I'll see you on the other side. So I'm sitting here on a park bench uh, on probably one of the most beautiful spring days we've had here in Philadelphia. Uh, so you might hear a little bit of trees, blowing in the wind, some birds chirping, some cars driving by, buses, SEPTA buses driving by. Uh, if that reminds you of something, it might remind you of an episode back in December that Adam and I recorded, except it was November and December, right Adam? Yeah, yeah, I think it was, 
Well, we were away in November, and I think we recorded a recap in December. Yeah. So we we it were was at really the cold outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the weather, the weather is much nicer today. So back in November, December, Adam and I were in Lisbon for the co-working Europe conference, and uh, thought it would be fun to step outside of the conference, record some of our thoughts on the day. Uh, and given that it is nearly May, so we're that's like six months later. It's been six months since you've heard from Adam. How how crazy is that? It's actually really crazy, especially for people who know me, because I don't stop talking. So the fact that I in some world I have stopped talking that that exists that's bizarre to me what have you been working on for the last six months Adam uh, Indie Hall is popping uh, Indie Hall is really busy so on a daily basis I, we stay really busy we have I think more members than we we ever had we we have more things going on more community interaction with just our own community and way outside of our sphere, our, our clubhouse. So we've got a lot going on there. Working with Sam is, is a really, really big component, and that's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I don't think we introduced Sam on the show before. Uh, w what's it been like having, having a new team member come on? So I just had a conversation with someone who runs a co-working space uh, yesterday about this, because right now she is by herself. Uh, she's in Seattle, she's by herself, and she's got um, someone who's going to be hired on to do the work with her and she's really excited and I remember what that was like when we added another person to our team someone to work with me every day side by side and how extremely exciting and utterly terrifying that was like um, and without trying to make her feel scared because it's a really big awesome improvement and it could be a wonderful thing it's so tough and you don't finish you, you don't ever master being really good at working with someone it's like you have to completely change your lifestyle and you can't work in a silo and you can't just tell yourself what you're going to do you have to share and overshare everything that you're doing at all times um, and it's a blast but holy shit it's really difficult it's a totally different set of obstacles what's really different about it from because I mean you and I were working really closely together uh, on on a lot of things and and part of the working relationship that I've had with you from the start and before you had with, with other folks in in the same position yeah. was one uh, where it was less of I think of a, a boss and an employee it was it was more team oriented but what's the big difference between working with me as your boss effectively uh, uh, and and having a second team member who's you know they're like you they're effectively it's it's your job to be there uh while while indie hall is busy and growing and all of these things that are going on what's the difference between those two things i think the easiest way to illustrate the difference because there is one and and there's there are some areas where they lay uh, like overlap on one another like there are similar things happening but uh the major difference is is like the difference between a coach and a teammate Right. It, I mean, your coach is also your teammate, but in a different regard. And uh, the teammate that's with you in the outfield, you, you and I are in a kickball league right now. That's that's actually true. We are in, which those of you who know me yeah. and my athletic abilities, the fact that I'm on a kickball team should tell you something about the rest of the kickball team. Uh, <laughs> we have a streak. Well, we have a streak going, which is uh, four and oh, we've not won any games. No, but I ran into uh, Hannah from Zog Sports, which is this awesome charity 
uh, uh, athletics league that that we joined in, and it's all about fun. That was the point that she brought mm. to us in the beginning. And she said she was surprised to hear that we haven't won a game. But what we have been hearing, and what she's been hearing from all of the the referees, uh, is that while we haven't won a game, we, we win on team spirit. Yeah, we have team spirit. We have so much team spirit, we don't know what to do with it, and it's not winning the game. But I mean, it's like we're playing a different game altogether. And it's a blast. I love it. So let's get back to the point where you you were making an illusion. Yeah, the point that I'm making is uh, when we play kickball, uh, there are a whole lot of people in the outfield. We've got like 10 people in the outfield and and an 11th person that's our umpire. And when the opposing team smacks a ball into the air, like pops it right up into the air, people in the outfield go berserk, right? And your teammate has to call the ball otherwise you have 10 people all running toward the exact same position and they're going to clobber one another by accident trying to catch the one ball you have to call the ball so working with a teammate versus working with a coach sam is my teammate in the outfield and we need to get really really good at calling the ball otherwise i have no idea where she is and she doesn't know where i am and worse over we make assumptions about where one another should be and where we expect the other person to be. And it's really easy to accidentally forget to call the ball, to, to uh, communicate what it is that you're supposed to be, or what I'm doing right now, rather. Not what she should be doing, but what I'm doing now. Uh, it's a different way of playing because you, you're playing with someone else. And, and the best job that I can do is letting the other person know where I am versus my coach. The person who is not necessarily on the outfield right now doesn't absolutely have the exact same experience of the game in that sense, but has a higher level understanding of the game, the purpose of the game, the strategy of the game. We all help one another, but it's it's a totally different means by which we help one another. Well, and to, to continue on this metaphor, which before we sat down today, I don't think you or I have ever used uh, a sports metaphor. I've, I've never been comfortable enough in a sports metaphor no. to, to let it ride. What's interesting, though, uh, and for those of you listening, there is currently a gaggle of school children walking <laughs> by. So there's a new new ambient sound being added to the recording today. Uh, the the other thing about that kickball metaphor um, is, and sort of like there's an intermediary, right? There's base coaches. Yeah. Right? So there's like, so Savannah, who's a member of Indie Hall, is sort of, uh, she she organized the group to come together and play. And she's uh, led the, you know, creating the lineup and... Encur- basically encouraging and helping people organizing what is that noise that is like a... that is an actual cement mixer it's like a, a mechanized dinosaur <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's a it's a mechanized dinosaur it oh like, oh okay like, uh, if you ever watch the old Godzilla movies Godzilla has a twin but it is it's a robot and it's called Mecha Godzilla that's what Mecha Godzilla sounds like this is the most variety show version of the co-working weekly show we've ever done. That's okay. Uh, so back to base coaches. I'm going to try and keep this on topic regardless of uh, gaggles of children and Godzilla trucks driving by. Base coaches yeah. are m- m- more like players. They are closer to the they're closer to the the plates, right? To to the bases. Yes. And uh, you know, that's something having never played baseball or and I haven't played kickball since I was probably 12 and I don't think we had base coaches when I played kickball when I was 12, having someone stand there who is not playing the they're playing the same game you are 
but they're able to look somewhere other than where you are. So a base coach is watching the rest of the field and their job is to tell you when to run. Yes. Right? And what's awesome about that is it lets it lets you do your job of getting to the next play or getting to home base. Yeah. Uh as effectively as possible because that split second could potentially mean a you know a win or a loss yeah and also there's a lot of trust placed in the person uh who is the base coach telling you the correct thing or or not the correct thing but the the best thing for you the player on the uh, on in the field right now and so you have to place trust in that person and believe the thing that you are going to tell me i am going to instinctively do it i'm gonna do it and it's because i trust you um <laughs> but if my base coach doesn't know the game I'm playing and we feel like we have different rules or a different understanding, well, that I won't trust you and, the, and it, that relationship doesn't work. This is why, by the way, I never go in as a base coach. Oh, it's, well, I'm, it's funny that you say that, but yeah, that's something you have to recognize, which is an understanding of a different level of the game, right? A, a, different, a different perception entirely. All right, I want to come back to that in a second because that metaphor took us to some places that I think are very interesting. But I want to go back to when you were talking about, you know, it's, it's been, for the last six months, Indie Hall's been busy. Yeah. Uh, you know, J January is always busy season and folks that are listening that have been running co-working spaces, even for just a year, I think you, you might have noticed the same thing that people come back from the holidays, uh, sort of New Year's resolutions. So the year kicks off with a lot of excitement, but like what does, like what does busy at Indy Hall actually feel like? That's a really good question. Um, I know I've had this conversation with you before, and I've talked to Sam about it before too, but busy at Indy Hall can be a number of different things, but the feeling is, in, I guess in most the most visceral way I can think of it, I'm not really sitting at my desk at any time. I'm just buzzing around at all times, and I know that I'm doing things. And in a weird sense, sometimes the days when I feel the most busy, at the end of the day, I can't actually tell you exactly what it was that I was doing all day. Um, it's, it's so much harder for me to track what I was doing when I'm that kind of busy, uh, which is a, a funny little problem. Like uh, you. That's that situation between being prepared for things uh, that are going to happen versus like, reacting. And it's, it's hard to be prepared for a co-working space because it's such a dynamic environment. And when it's busy, it's, like, it's especially dynamic. It's especially hard to, to calibrate. So this is interesting. This is like a double-edged sword because we think, you know, busy is good, right? Busy is exciting and, and all the things that we want in our co-working spaces and for our members. Co-working makes the job feel fun and interesting. But this sounds like it's actually like really hard and maybe even, I mean, when you say you're at the end of a day and you, uh, you don't even really know exactly what you got done, yeah. that, I, I imagine that can be kind of demotivating in a way, right? Yeah, it, it can be demotivating. I look around, people look happy, that's great. Uh, but I can't necessarily see a change in the way things were done or progress right so it's like I'm I'm treading water I know that I'm doing the work and things are staying the same but the fact is is the the job that I have the position that I have the authority and the position that I have in the community allows me to make things better not just to keep things the same but to make things better 
so tomorrow, the experience at Indy Hall is even better than the one yesterday. Um, and if, I, if I'm not allowed the space or opportunity to make it better, then what am I doing? Um, eventually, it's just going to get stale. And I'm aware of that. And that, that's demotivating. That, that sucks. When we're really busy, I fear uh, I'm going to get trapped in a pattern of just being exhausted. And in that way, I'm not going to be able to put in the work that actually makes this place a much better place. So I want to I want to continue down this path because I don't think we hear enough of this from uh, for the for the co-working space managers, the other hired guns like you that are out there listening, uh, and, and for the the owner operators who maybe you've got hired guns who uh, you know maybe, maybe they're thinking the same sort of thing. I want to dig a little bit deeper into this because I think this is really important. I feel really fortunate that you and I have the sort of open communication relationship that we da- have because you know the, the truth is is if I don't hear this stuff. Uh, we can't we can't work on it, and I know that ultimately you do your best work when you are motivated. When there's something in this for you, if this is just a job, uh, you you it, it's it's a big difference. That's a big difference between you and everyone else in the room. Everyone else is there because they want to be, so you've got to want to be. Um, so, like, what are some of the things that you do to stay motivated through some of this tougher stuff? I, I think one of the things that's most important seems counterintuitive, and it's something that I've had to learn to get good at, which is stopping uh, for a moment and uh, taking note of where I am and the thing that I'm doing right now and trying to just uh, endorse a calmness, right? Like uh, not getting swept away into the next thing, uh, allowing myself to say no to something that pops up, or if not no, like, can you wait just five minutes so I can finish whatever it is that I'm working on? And it's a, it's something that I know I can get better at because uh, I'm not perfect at doing that because I really like helping people. And I, I fall into this trap of not always necessarily being sure of what my best job right now in this moment is. Uh, and, and sometimes I need to think more like you do, more like a coach and uh, zoom out a lot and think, how is helping you make coffee right now going to help Indy Hall in the long run and everybody together? Um, And it's weird. Uh, There's there's this weird, I think, when you're a novice at it and not very good at saying no or saying, hey, I need five minutes, it feels like you're doing a shitty job. When when someone comes to you and asks you for something and you say, "I'm, I'm indisposed right now, I'm busy right now, can you just hang on? It's hard to say that because it feels like I'm not serving my community. It feels like something is wrong with me. I'm not doing a good job. Yeah. When in fact, maybe that's true, but I, I would offer in a totally different level, in a, in a totally different angle, that's probably the best thing you can do right now, which is not encourage like a Pavlovian response in your community. As soon as they ask me for something or walk up to my desk, I spring up and I'm ready to go, right? And I I, I get what that looks like and it looks like you're being helpful, but the reality is that means that you never get time to work on anything and you encourage people to always distract you. Um, It's not doing a shitty job. It doesn't need to be that way. It's doing a better job of making sure that you organize your time and effort. How many times has a member said, wow, Adam and Sam really suck at their job? I've never heard those words, and I hope no one has. I think no one has heard those words. I I, I have never heard those words. On the contrary, 
um, you know, this is really interesting and counterintuitive thing. I mean, you're, you're saying here is really counterintuitive. Yes. It's a different look at service. We think of uh, of service and being of service to our members is something where, where uh, very reactive, um, almost almost concierge, like in a hotel, right? Yeah. Where like anything you need, I've I'm ready for you at, at your beck and call. Um, which is a way to approach it, but ultimately it's not really sustainable. And I think your point about it creating sort of a Pavlovian, uh, uh, it's like training a really bad habit yeah. into people who ultimately are looking after each other, it's right? It's not sustainable. You, you cannot keep that up forever. You can't. So the thing that you are encouraging other people to do is to make you a less balanced professional with fewer opportunities to help everyone. And I think your point about, you know, when you're doing your best job, you act more like a coach um, is really in line with the compliments that you hear. And I've heard about the work that you and Sam do where, you know, people are so grateful for your thoughtfulness and for your diligence and your willingness to listen, which I think is like it's sensed because you're not so quick to react. Yeah, it's I think it's definitely true when you sit down with someone and you want to talk to them and and be thoughtful about it. You can see in the other person whether or not they are present. Right. Um, and sometimes it's hard to figure out how to focus and be present in that moment. And it goes a long way. I mean, that's, that is physically conveyed to the other person and that's really valuable. That's the difference between staying at home and doing my work by myself and going somewhere because the people who are elsewhere outside of my home care about me and, and want to listen to me and help me out. That's why people come to Indie Hall because they, they crave the latter and not just that they crave it, but they get that. Um, I give them that and that's where it gets complicated. Uh, being able to give them that at all times, immediately upon a request, versus um, letting them know that I promise you, I'll get, I'll get to you. I will be with you, and you can trust me on that. Um, right this moment, I'm, I've got to work on something else, or maybe help someone else in this moment. It's it's complicated. It feels complicated. You told me about a, a practice that you and, and Sam have gotten into, and I'd love for you to talk a little bit about it and where you learned it from. Um, because another part of this is like, you come into work and you have all of this cr stuff going on in this really unpredictable environment full of people who you're excited to be around, but sometimes you know, the, the volume of people or the things that they're doing or needing and need attending to yeah. can become really stressful. In addition to all of that, you have a life. Yes. You you have your own things going on, and like, where does that fit in? And and I think this practice that you've told me about that you and Sam have gotten into is really fascinating. I like you to talk a little bit about that. Every morning, Sam and I do something that we call a check-in. Um, a check-in, when you spell it out, seems really straightforward but it's also kind of hard to keep doing. But a check-in is uh, this. Uh, get in in the morning, and the first thing that we do is we sit down together and we talk and explicitly say how we feel today. Not just w what's on the roster, what we're working on, but how we feel. Where are we coming from, and what baggage did we bring with us from there? Uh, so how are, how are you doing? How are you doing right now? Um, and that relies on the only way this is effective 
is if each of us is really honest with one another. We trust each other to be honest with one another. Otherwise, it's a, an inadvertent deceit, right? If I, if I bottle something up and don't tell Sam about it, something that's been bothering me or taking me out of the zone, that's going to come back and bite Sam and it's going to bite me too. Um, and shame on me because I didn't take the opportunity to share that with her long before it happened. This is something that I learned years and years and years ago when I uh, studied improv, like uh, improvisational acting. And in the, in the form of improv that I studied and practiced, uh, everything relied on being emotionally honest. And that meant when we did a scene and we performed together, I knew where you were. I knew where I am. I never made anything up from scratch because I was able to, to pull from actual experiences, things that were real. When we, when we perform together, it feels real. It feels very genuine. And that was performance. But Sam and I work together. We are a team. We need to be there for one another. Not only do I need to know when she's calling the ball, when something is coming toward her, so I don't uh, knock into her by accident by trying to do the same action, I need to know how I can support her even when we're not talking to one another. Um, stress is real, you know? And the work that we do at Indy Hall is so, so unique and incredible, and I'm thankful for it. But the work that we do is a huge mixture of our lives with a, our professional lives. And the, 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 the uh, crossover, the convergence between my personal life and my life at Indy Hall is almost a 100%. I mean, this is, this is me. Um, this is the way that I am. So I'm becoming a better person because I'm my work and I become a better employee at Indy Hall because of, of the way that I live my life. But that means that I bring everything with me everywhere. I bring work home because it's my life and I bring my life into Indy Hall because it's my life. Um, and if you don't sort those things out, and you don't care for yourself and you care for the person that you work with, especially, you're screwed, man. You're, you're not going to do a good job. You're ignoring your own health. And that's, that, by accident, is going to really damage your community down the road. It will. This is all, you know, I think we, we, we speak very optimistically about uh, the, the work that we do. Um, and so I, I hope I hope this stuff is really resonant with folks that are out there doing the hard work to realize that you know that especially on the the emotional side of the job, even the people who are listening who are you know members of co-working spaces to realize that the people who are doing the the work in your co-working spaces every day, you know that they have they have all all of these things on their plate. It's so much more than you know, refilling the coffee pot and setting up for an event and yeah. taking out the trash and things like that. Well, so it, if, if I'm honest, one of the things that kind of bothers me about the community of peers that I have, well, one, I'm, I'm not necessarily sure how to talk to other people about these things uh, because I don't talk to many people who are like myself. What do you mean by that? Like, I am familiar with a lot of communities of co-working enthusiasts which are populated entirely by people who have founded a co-working space or an, uh, a community or are planning to, to start one or own the business in its own right. Um, they're, they're like the coaches, right? Or prospective coaches. I have almost no experience, 
very rarely talk to someone who was hired to do the job, who is this staff of the organization, of the community, who is playing in the outfield like I am every day. And that means that in a few ways, it's hard to have these conversations. One, because I don't necessarily want to look like some jerk who was hired and doesn't know what he's doing at all times. And so that's like a weird humility thing. I don't want to tell people I, I don't always have the answers because I'm protecting my ego. And, and two, I mean, those people who are in those communities, the founders, the owners, I mean, how could they know everything that I do in a day? They, we do different things in a day. We just do. Um, so it's, it's weird. I just don't have this conversation with a lot of people like myself. You told me recently about a conversation you did have yeah. uh, with a guy who, and this is an interesting tie-in, you were just talking about that that technique, that check-in that you learned from improv. You actually had a conversation with a guy who runs the, the local local improv group, right? What was, what was different about that? Well, that was really exciting because I had a conversation with uh, uh, the guy who, who runs FIT, which is uh, Philly Improv Theater um, in, in Philadelphia. And it, FIT is awesome. And in a lot of really interesting, unexpected ways, FIT and the, the way that they run and organize FIT is more similar to Indie Hall than any other co-working space that is also in Philadelphia. Um, and the person that I, I talked to, uh, his name is Greg Mon. Greg is awesome. Uh, Greg and I have a lot of feelings about the way that we bring like, emotional truth to our work, the way that we invite people into things, the way that we want to serve people um, while not burning out uh, on things. Scaling our communities and communication with larger communities as we grow larger. I mean, a lot of these things really resonate. We had an incredible conversation and we were really frank with one another. There was no ego at the table because at no point in time could I ever judge whether or not he's good at running an improv theater. And at no point in time did I feel like he was going to judge me for the way that I run uh, a co-working space. And I felt it felt weird because I was so excited to have that conversation, but I've never had a conversation that meaty and interesting and honest and difficult and valuable with someone like me. Um. <laughs> I want to get Greg on the show at some point soon because I, I was fascinated to hear that. Uh, not surprised in any way. Um, and actually, like, one of the most interesting things I've learned over the last, like, six to nine months with with Sam joining the team because she does improv yeah. as well. She's actively involved in in a troupe that's actually got other indie hall members in it as well. That's how how we met her. Um, that the both of you are practiced in improv and and that and what that brings to the table as as a set of skills and all the things you're describing the 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 that, the way you just described bringing sort of the truth to the table so that we can work better together. Man, does that sound like a theme that is that is true to Indie Hall and. Um, you know, I think Greg could bring a lot to the show in the organizational aspects yeah. as well from, from a different perspective. Uh, you know, well, what, I want to clarify really quickly, too. I, I don't want to sound disparaging. I know I can have a level, uh, uh, a conversation of, of that value with people who are like myself. I just haven't found those people yet. We don't have a space yet. We don't have a platform yet. We don't have a way of finding one another. I can't ring up a co-working space elsewhere and just sit on the phone and talk to the dude like me or the, the, the woman who runs the co-working space like I do. Um, I know I can have those conversations. I haven't done it. So I, I don't want to sound 
pessimistic. Like, it, it can't happen. So if we found folks who are listening who are similar to you and that they're they hired either as the individual part of a team, non-founder, non-owner, operator, but the folks who actually are, are down are in the outfield, as you've said, yeah. uh, running the operations, meeting members, uh, orienting members, handling communication, any or all of those things. If those people are out there and listening and we give them a way to reach out, that would be helpful to, to you and I, I imagine to them as well. Because you know, if, if this is, you know, you, I, I believe, have as much if not more access to the co-working world than anybody else uh, in the world, given, you know, when you and I teach together, we do workshops, all of those things. So it's a little, it may be a little surprising to people that this access problem is something you have but I think it also speaks to the fact that you know if if you can't find it then you know are other people able to find it and if they are awesome we want we want to learn where are you connecting with other co-working space you know the space managers the community managers whatever you call yourself uh hosts uh, whatever whatever your title I think you understand where Adam is coming from if you're out there listening um I I think we we want to find a way to to start connecting yeah, and uh, you asked me uh, way earlier in this conversation, <coughs> excuse me, what are the things that are keeping me busy? Uh, Indie Hall on a day-to-day basis, that is keeping me plenty busy. But the thing that I, I want to hone all of my energy on, really focus on, is making that space for people like me, people like Sam, people like um, uh, the woman who I was uh, talking to uh, yesterday about bringing a new member on to help her do her job, making that space where we can find one another and have these honest conversations with one another. And, you know, I love conferences because we get to physically find one another in the same room. Um, one of the problems that I, I have that I guess overshadows everything is, you know, we high five and hug a lot and talk about all the great work that we do. And that feels really good. But I, I want to be able to pierce through that and have the really difficult conversations in which no one necessarily has an answer I know those are the harder conversations to have but I have plenty of them that I can bring up I need help talking them through this stuff and I, I'm interested in references for how other people in different communities handle these things I know they do I know it so we can talk about it we just need to find each other and and of course we've got lots that we've learned to share as well I mean I think it's something very interesting in the fact that if you know, think about all the co-working spaces in the world, I think you've been doing your job longer than most peop- most co-working spaces have been open. Yeah, it's going on, uh, it's, I guess it's close to three and a half years, three, almost three and a half years that I've been working with you and Indy Hall. And the, the things that have changed at Indy Hall, like the way that our own community has changed is so huge. And there's so many experiences that I can speak to about that from our expansion to the way that we're uh, even more active in our outside community. And then the general landscape of co-working itself in our city, in the world, it's, I've seen so much, I've learned so much, I have so much to say and share. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people out there who, you know, they also feel like they're in a vacuum, whether they're in a city that doesn't really have other co-working points of reference. Maybe they haven't been to a conference before, or maybe, you know, like, you know, I think, again, when we go, when we do go to conferences, it's mostly owner operator folks. There's some staff and community managers. Um, You know, I, I love bringing you with me to those events. 
um, for for a multitude of reasons, not the least of which is when when we teach together, you bring that outfielder perspective that complements my coach perspective and where we meet in the middle is so valuable to so many people and, and, and I know that and I know you know you know that and, and we love hearing it but I also you know I, I think in leading by example I've hoped along the way that other owner operators would look at their staff as a little bit more than a hired gun to sit at a desk and do you know membership paperwork and and odds and ends around the space and really think about them as a collaborative leader along with them and the rest of the community so uh, you know I, I would like to see more of that conversation elevated from my perspective as well for a completely different set of reasons but also a lot of the same ones yeah yeah I, I completely agree I no, I just, I concur. So you know, I want to sort of wrap things up today. You know, going back to the beginning and uh, of this conversation and, and talking about the, you know, what, what's been, been going on for the last six months and what it is that you're, you're working on now, what would you say is like the, the most valuable thing that's come from talking to whether it's Sam or Greg or another person like yourself, if you have talked to them, because I know you've, you've connected with a couple of people, um, our friends at Office Nomads and, and Cohere in, uh, in Colorado, you know, those conversations you have had, what are some of the biggest takeaways for you? Uh, and also maybe a follow on to that is, you know, your perceived takeaways from other people, like what has helped other people? And I know I'm asking you to put words in somebody else's mouth, uh, possibly if, if you don't have a particular example, but I think it'd be really valuable to hear, you know, what happens when, you know, cause I imagine that there's even people who, you know, they have relationships with, or they don't have relationships with other coworking spaces right. in their own city, you know, it, that can be tough. There's the perception of competition um, and all of those weird discomforts come along with it. I'm not sure if I can talk to you and trust you. The the fact that you were able to speak more openly and candidly with Greg from FIT than another co-working space in our own city I think is a perfect example of why this is a real problem worth solving. Yeah. What is an outcome that you've seen where someone's work or or life or community was improved by opening up a dialogue like this? Um, yeah, it, on a number of, of levels. I think one of the most important parts of the conversations I already have, and the thing that can get even better, is having an outlet for expression of frustration, of stress, of confusion. Having an outlet seems like a simple thing. Like, okay, you can just share this with people. But having an outlet uh, in that you know the people you were speaking with understand where you're coming from. You don't have to explain the context over and over. Um, it's, a, it's a completely different support system if you can talk through these, these issues and, and obstacles with someone who gets it, who gets the context, right? I, I, don't, I know what co-working is. I know what it's like when uh, a member walks downstairs and says, uh, hey, what are all these pizzas for? And you think, I have been trying to tell you about this event for weeks, right? How did I possibly, how did I miss your attention? Um, those sorts of things, I think, are really nuanced to the job. And being able to share, just being able to share those things with someone who knows and can respond 
uh, is absolutely huge. And following in suit with that, communication is a really big thing that I think everyone can get better at. Like the way that I talked about, the way that uh, Sam and I work together, and how that's really hard to master. It's just a it's a series of habits that we we can continue getting better at, and we'll never actually perfect. We just keep doing it well. Um, communication is one of the hardest things to figure out how to do better and how to measure how you're doing it right now as it is. And uh, I know one of the takeaways from people that I've spoken with is having a much better open channel for communication between the person who hired you and you. The employee and the boss, the owner and the, uh, the, the staff. Um, so understanding how important it is to be able to have those conversations with the person who pays you to know how to do it, that's, that's really, really, really massive. Uh, because when you don't have a relationship like you and I do, Alex, um, that means that a lot of things get left on the table. A lot of things get dropped through cracks. Um, because how are you supposed to know that you can find comfort and trust in the person who pays you to be the pro at this? And it's, it's weird and potentially awkward to tell the person who hired you, I need help doing my job. I know that you hired me to be the person who knows how to do this and to do it the best way possible, but I need your help. And I, I know that when we help one another, it's going to be better. A big takeaway for, for people I've spoken to already is just opening up that line of communication with the person who hired you and being honest, bring, bringing truth to the table when you have a, a check-in. Having a check-in at all versus not having one, that's, that's a really big difference. Another thing that sort of occurs to me is the notion of what's normal. In a job where basically nothing is normal, yeah. things are so variable, uh, to be able to gain some insight and to be like, okay, cool, I'm not totally losing my mind. I'm not totally messing this up. These are totally normal problems. Or this kind of reaction is exactly what you would expect. You know, having having that sort of uh, of solace and and solidarity, really, in knowing that your day looks or can look a lot more like someone else's than maybe you imagine. I don't know if you remember this, but a few years ago, I'm, in, you, I'm sure you remember this. A few years ago, we had uh, a member of Indie Hall who wanted to stay really late at night, and we found out, kind of like in a weird, creepy way, wanted to stay the night at Indie Hall without anyone knowing because there was a situation that was going on in, in that person's life that was hard and confusing. And the thing that was probably going to help right now is I need a place to sleep that isn't my home, right? Uh, and that's what, it's a perfect crystallized example of what is normal. When, when meeting that, this doesn't feel normal. This is strange. How do I support this person that pays to be here, is a member of this place, is a nice guy, I didn't have anybody to talk to about this. This is the kind of thing that I would share with someone else uh, who does my, my job and say, has this happened before? Has anyone ever tried to sneak in after hours so they could sleep here because they felt safe? How do you react to that? Not that that makes it the right thing for that person to be doing, but sort of to tie a bunch of pieces of this conversation together and in, in the necessity to remain mindful through all of these yeah. weird things that you could react to and say, that's weird, 
I don't like it. Get shut the hell out of here. Shut it down. Yeah. Uh, to, to instead have a support network of people that, you know, you and Sam, I think one of the biggest things you do, and, and I, I think one of my biggest, role, my biggest roles as the coach, is to remind you guys to stay mindful. And then you yeah. do it for each other, which means I have to do it less often, which is why you guys are so great as a team. When you don't have someone else to help you look at what you're doing and say, you know, you kind of jumped the gun on that. Yeah. And you didn't ruin everything. This isn't about you did it wrong. I very rarely come to you guys and say, hey, you did something wrong. What I do is I say, let's take a look at what happened here. Is that the outcome that we really wanted? Is that the best outcome that we could have done? And is there something we could have done differently to make it better? Which takes me having mindfulness as well because it would be just as easy for me to be like, ugh, you totally didn't do that the way I would do it. And that would shut you down. It would yeah. shut Sam down. You wouldn't trust me. I would be expressing a distrust in you. And I feel like that's how a lot of people work. And that's their relationship with their work, with their yeah. with their job. And that's awful for someone like you, too. Because when you, you have Sam and I to do this work, so you don't have to do it. And if you frequently feel or you, you frequently have the reaction of, if you want to do something right, you got to do it yourself, you're screwed because you hired people who aren't going to do it as well as you, you think, and you are going to do it anyway. Um, that's, not, that's not sustainable either. And that really shoots you in the foot in terms of having staff members who are going to help you do the work, right? This goes back to an episode that I recorded a, a couple of months ago about when I needed help and basically how I hired the first person who did your job, Adam. Her name yeah. was, was Dana. So you can go back uh, and listen to uh, the episode where, where how, about how I really, really needed help. I'll link to that in the show notes. I, I want to tidy things up for today, wrap this up, and, and thank you for you know you really bringing the truth, as you said, to, to this conversation because I think based on everything you're saying, that there have got to be other people out there that are that are thinking and feeling, man, I wish I had more of a peer support group to help me do my job. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I know that uh, there are a lot of people, especially now, co-working is bigger than it's ever been, which is awesome and scary. It's growing faster than ever. Uh, I know that there are a lot of people who are like me who can benefit from having a relationship with one another. That's bottom line that's it i know it'll help me do better for my community this is sort of like co-working for people who work in co-working yeah <laughs> yeah if you want to be as meta as that yes it is co-working for people who are co-working professionals staff co-working squared all right let's sign off for the day and uh and man i just don't want to leave this park bench though no it's beautiful outside so i'm probably not going to go back to indy hall so later goodbye <laughs>so after this conversation, Adam and I got to thinking, there's got to be other people that play in the outfield like him. And maybe, unlike him, they don't have other teammates. Or even if they do, they still really crave talking to, working with, and learning from other outfielders. So that they themselves can maybe, someday, become more like the coaches. So, if the way Adam described in today's episode, some of the challenges of actually being the person on the field during the game 
dealing with all of the tough stuff that goes on inside the daily operations of a co-working space, but you're specifically not a founder or an owner like myself. So more like Adam, less like me, this is the time we really wanna hear from you. And for now, we're gonna keep it really, really simple. All you gotta do is send me an email. This is like the digital equivalent of raising your hand. Send an email to alex at indiehall.org. Yes, that actually goes to me, and I'm actually gonna read every single one and say, hey, Alex, I'm in the outfield. I help manage a co-working space, but it's not a co-working space I started because Adam and I wanna find out who you are, where in the world you are, and then we'll move forward from there. So super simple, email alex at indiehall.org, say, hey, I'm not a founder, but I love my co-working space and I want to make it better. It's tough sometimes, but I'm willing to have these tough conversations. We absolutely want to hear from you. I look forward to hearing from all of you, and I hope you have an awesome week.